This is the Daily Roundup on Radio Islam International. Well, Quality Assurer Umalusi apparently is still not concerned about cheating in exams. Now, despite over a thousand pupils having been caught to, or you know, caught and uh, you know, cheated in both public and private schools in 2022, in Gauteng alone, 45 pupils were this year found using crib notes. Well, I suppose that is the academic year of uh, 2023. Uh, while in KZN, an imposter was discovered writing a paper on. On behalf of another pupil. Imagine that, you know what I mean? This is now taking it to a uh, different sinister level, is there? Or, you know, on a uh, uh, an imposter writing a paper on behalf of another pupil. Now, KZN is a province with the highest level of matric final examination cheating incidences in 2023, with the education watchdog Umalusi estimating that almost 800 learners seem to have been implicated. We discussed the matter with the DA's Dr. Imran Kika. Assalamu alaikum. Wa rahmatullah, Dr. Imran. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I hope you're well and your listeners also. Dr. Imran, cheating at, on this magnitude, and this is basically the reported cases. Who knows how many people actually get away without even you know, coming to, in, into the system. That's a discuss, discussion all on its own. But at this magnitude, I mean, one assumes that this has to be with the assistance of the teachers, of management, and it's, it's too big a scale only to be restricted to pupils alone. What's your what's your take on that, Dr. Imran? Well, and you must remember that in KwaZulu-Natal alone, we had almost 193,000, 194,000 learners that wrote the metric exams last year, the National Senior Certificate Examinations. Just over 23,000 of those were part-time candidates and uh, 160-some-odd thousand were full-time candidates. So we had a large number of learners that wrote the exams. What concerns us as the PDA was when we did oversight visits over the examination last year, when we visited four districts in total, we raised the concern of invigilation. Mm. So one is we raised it and we asked the officials, the district directors that were presenting to us about invigilation of the examination, and we also asked them to express to us their concerns about invigilation. Both ways it was a concern. For them, the worry was that they did not have enough invigilators. That's the first problem. The second problem is that they had to, for example, in the Umziniati district, at the 11th hour, scramble to find people to be invigilators. And the reason for that was that the department did not make funding available for them to have a full cohort of invigilators for the examination. Now, obviously, uh, invigilation means that somebody is there to watch the learners so that they don't cheat. Now, if you don't have enough invigilators, you don't supply the money to pay those invigilators, it just means that whatever the manner in which you are running the department is, quite frankly, sloppy. So that is the problem, that there were not enough invigilators. And when eventually the money did become available to districts, it was literally at the 11th hour. They could not get them there in time or ensure that they complied with the training requirements. Invigilators also have to be trained because you need to identify, for example, if they are crib notes. Nowadays, things are sophisticated. There are certain calculators that are available. For example, in a math exam, learners are allowed to have calculators. Nowadays, you find calculators that have, can store data in it. 
So mm. not only is it used for calculation, but also it can store crypt notes in the device itself. So people become quite uh, ingenious, I should say, in the manner in which they cheat. And this is the problem. But the problem of cheating goes beyond that also. So one is crypt notes, one is devices. All right, cell phones are not allowed, but even watches. So what, what's happening is that they have to take away smart watches from learners. Uh, learners that go to the bathroom need to be monitored. But more importantly, uh, Umalusi said that there was group copy. Group copy cannot happen if you don't have, comp- you, uh, you know, an accomplice. Who are the accomplices? This is what needs to be identified, and we're still going to look into this matter. They must tell us under what circumstance did group copying take place. Because for a group of learners to sit and copy, that means that nobody was watching over them. Yes, could have been the invigilation. But also it means that either the person in the room presiding over that examination stepped out and wasn't available. So that needs to be investigated. Telling us this now means that the education portfolio in the province, the department needs to now interrogate the information that has come forward. Mm. But it's not only about that. It's not only about what the department needs to do. There also is this part, Molana, where we need to talk about the learners themselves that have disgraced themselves through the cheating process and their parents. So we talk about the whole of society approach. It can't just be the Department of Education. They came there with planned dishonesty. It wasn't like Mm. somebody, uh, you know, uh, passed something on to them while they were writing the exams. This was organized crime, if you want to put it on a a lighter note. It was Mm. planned. It was plotted out. And this is what's worrying. And yes, 763 learners were 80.7% of all the people that cheated in this examination came from KwaZulu-Natal, but it's also proportionate to the size of the department of KwaZulu-Natal. But still, I'm I'm making no excuses for the department. It's just a disgrace. Mm. That money was not available, planning was sloppy, invigilation was poor, and of course, the learners implicated. That brings me to my next point, Monana. What happens to these learners? I don't know if you want to know what happens to them, but... Dr. uh, Dr. Imran, before we go on to the the process of what's supposed to be by way of imposing sanctions, uh, you know, on on these learners, let's look at the process of uh, getting invigilated on the premises itself. Whose responsibility is it to hire these invigilators? Where do these invigilators come from? Are they expected to be um, educators that are currently employed? Or could I become an invigilator even though I'm a radio presenter? I've got previous skills working at a school. Let me apply as a part-time job during the daytime to become an invigilator. How is the process supposed to, to work uh, when it comes to the hiring, the ultimate training of the invigilator, and even holding the invigilator accountable at the end of the day for doing or not doing your job? Look, uh, the way that our government is set up is the buck in the province stop at the door of the ME. Just what I answer for, that's the bottom line. Our accounting officer is responsible for the day-to-day running of the department and that's the HOT. And of course, there is um, an official that is particularly responsible for examinations in the province. And then, of course, it goes down to district level where there's a director and there's an exam director in each district as well. So there are officials at multiple levels. In the district for the schools that have invigilators, the district director will identify 
the schools or the exam centers that need invigilators, how many based on the number of learners that are writing the examination. There is a formula that they use. Malana, forgive me, I don't know it offhand right now, but there is a formula that they use for a certain number of learners, a certain number of invigilators. Those invigilators are required to be educators and also you must remember that all educators are not overseeing the metric examination at one time because it's only the grade 12s that are right. So there are many educators and they're also surplus. They're required to be trained. All all people involved in the entire metric exam process, it is actually a very well-oiled machine, if I may say so. It is one of the things that is actually well run. But if things come in to the process when you don't manage it properly, and that requires rigorous oversight to ensure that these things don't happen. And if it happens, the MEC is the one, the, the, the you know, the MEC or more commonly, some people might even refer to the person as the provincial minister. That is the person that is responsible for the box of it. So the MEC for, for education in KwaZulu and Bali phrase, she is the one that must come to your radio station tell you why it happened, why they were not in, enough invigilators, and why the money was not available on time, and why she is the one that must tell you. You can't haul a, a district director or somebody from the exam division to come and give you the answer. She is the one that is responsible, that must take responsibility. The box stops with her and she must then be held accountable. So the, the, the question then begs, uh, what is the way forward in terms of that? So unfortunately, uh, we will continue to hold them accountable through, not unfortunately, fortunately, we'll hold her accountable through the processes that we have. Uh, but that is at the political level. What about the administration? What about the administrative level? Where were the flaws? So of course, now that the figures have come out, now that the metric results will be released tomorrow nationally and the day after provincially, we'll also know where the other flaws in the exam process. Mm. Um, there are many things that happen. For example, uh, exam, examination, metric examination assistants, all of them haven't been paid. That's another story altogether. So those people are there to perform certain functions. There was a problem there as well. We went, we saw for ourselves, went and visited these exam centers and we identified we raised it and yet they were not so the, the question is we the, one of the imposters that you are talking about there were two that I am aware of in KwaZulu mm. one of them was in my own constituency in Amajuba uh, mm. in, in Newcastle the other one was in Peter Maritzburg that I am aware of so you know all of these things have to be dissected and what we do is we have a briefing session of all of the irregularities in a meeting of the portfolio committee when the examination outcomes and problems and grades and marks and, you know, strong subjects and weak subjects. There's a whole post-mortem of the examination that will follow. All of these mm. things will come out there. So, Dr. Ibrahim, finally, I mean, we have a few minutes before we conclude this hour. We were talking about the some sort of sanction that should be placed upon these pupils. You, you were mentioning, of course, they are a obvious embarrassment and a disgrace unto their own integrity. And, uh, you know, they, they, they need to be taken to uh, to task. And, and those responsible for such type of behavior uh, need to, you know, face some sort of a legal sanction. Yes. It's illegal. You, if if they proceed through uh, the criminal procedure using the South African Schools Act, then of course illegal to cheat in the metric examination, and you can end up with a criminal record. I'm not aware of any jail time, but certainly if you're convicted, you have a criminal record. Uh, but 
there are other sanctions that are prescribed in education law. One is that you could be barred from ever writing the metric exams ever again. That means you won't get a metric, and that means that you won't have access to the opportunities that come with a metric exam, with a metric certificate, like going to tertiary education, getting a job, and and other things. Uh, the other the other possible sanction is they may suspend you for a while from writing the examination. Uh, sometimes it's two years, sometimes it's six months, sometimes they may say, look, we won't let you write in June, but you can write in December. So these are the, the various sanctions that exist in education law, and uh, we hope that this book is thrown at all those that uh, disgrace themselves. Mm. Dr. Imran um, Kika, Jazakumullah for joining us on Radio Islam International with that uh, update. Shocking, you know, statistics indeed, but, uh, uh, you know, one hopes that in 2024 there is a marked improvement in uh, the way matric exams or all exams, in fact, are conducted with the, you know, without this level of, of dishonesty. And shukran, jazakumullah khairan. Jazakumullah for the opportunity, Murana. And again, assalamu alaikum to yourself and your listeners. Alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. That was uh, Dr. Imran Kika. Uh, you know, I, I didn't realize that it was so high and and with such impunity that that you have in twenty. This is only in matric twenty twenty three. You've got such a uh, you know large number of eight hundred reported cases. This doesn't include the cases that are not reported, and obviously it doesn't include all other grades. You see, matric uh, grade twelve is basically a culmination of what? 10, 11, and 12. So uh, if a person, if a learner basically cheated in a grade 11 exam, well, you know what, from from, from a system point of view, it is as if you, you cheated to be in matric. Uh, you you cheated in grade 10. It's, it's one particular, uh, you know, unit. It, it's, uh, it's 36 months of, uh, of one particular session uh, of which I would say 32 months is instructive and another six months falls in the category of uh, you know of uh, of of testing and so if a person showed dishonesty in in that period of time then by all means they have in fact uh, not produced the 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 most honest of results to be you know where they were now who holds them to account and you know who uh, imposes that schools act and sanction upon them well that is left to be seen umalusi themselves seems to be looking the other way when they're supposed to be looking at these type of this type of behavior where the start of impunity begins